Let me tell you about the show's newest sponsor, Juniper Mountain Coffee. You can check them out at junipermountaintradingpost.com and check out everything that they sell. I really like what they say on their website. And guys, if you are a coffee connoisseur like me, this here American company that's not run by a bunch of wokesters might be worth checking out for you. What they say is, we roast coffee for those loyal to a lost way of life, those that never back down in the face of adversity, the ones that keep their word, treat people with respect, and still believe in the importance of hard work. We offer some of the best coffee in the world and look forward to earning a spot in your cup. And they have definitely earned a spot in my cup. Whether you like light roast, dark roast, ground already, or not ground, you just want to order it fresh. And they even have those little pod things for those of you that just make one cup at a time. I drink too much coffee for that, so I don't do that. And they also have a cold brew. But it's a great company, great story. Uh, you guys are going to dig these guys. Check them out at junipermountaintradingpost.com. Let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. This is that time of year when it's really time to turn up the heat on your scouting. We're going through summer. Season's going to be here before you know it. And I don't care if you're going after mule deer, whitetail, the mighty whoppity, whatever it is. Scouting is imperative and it makes it much easier when you use trail cameras where they are allowed. And uh, let me tell you something. I, I like trail cameras that are easy to use, functional, and have good quality pictures. That brings us to SpyPoint. SpyPoint trail cameras. You can check them out at spypoint.com. And it doesn't matter if you're looking to do one of the cell cams, like the Flex X or the Flex G36 or the LM2. They have some great deals on their website. Like right now, if you check them out, they've got some clearance cameras going on on the cell cams. You can also get a cell link that attaches to any regular cell camera and will uh, transmit pictures right to your phone. The other trail cameras, if you're way out in the backcountry and don't have phone service out there, the Force Pro S and the Force Pro are my go-to cameras. I absolutely love them. If you guys saw the pictures from this last bear season, they were really high-quality pictures, and they were all done with that Force Pro camera. So check it out, guys, at spypoint.com, and let them know the Western Huntsman sent ya. All right, guys, dig in, especially if you're in Washington. You're going to like this one. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tine studio right here in Western Montana. Beautiful mid-September day, and uh, I, uh, I I wanted to come out of the Elk Woods for this one, guys, because this is a this is a big deal. Uh, before we get started, we are brought to you by Eastman's Hunting Journals, guys. You still have time to jump on Eastman's Hunting Journals and check out the Mule Deer course. This is that critical time. October and November are the two big mule deer months in in my mind. Unless you're one of those guys that likes to go after those uh, high country muleys in uh, in late August, that's great too. But uh, we still have time. Jump on uh, Eastmans.com and check out the mule deer course. 
and uh, you, you have you have plenty of time to get through it. So this week, guys, I apologize for missing a week. Um, it is obviously September. This is the the big month of the year for me. I'm out chasing elk all month. Uh, I tried to get the schedule booked up for uh, for the uh, the show season, but uh, you know, like every September, I generally miss a week or two. So, <laughs> but I'm back out. I even showered today. Uh, I'm I'm all sorts of clean. And uh, this episode for you guys in Washington, which by the way, uh, a shout out to Washington because Washington happens to be. They, they range from either first, second, or third place in show downloads throughout the country. So in many cases, the state of Washington, we get the most downloads in a month out of the state of Washington. And so, uh, A, I appreciate you guys, and, and B, um, I have somebody on the line that I think is going to be an answer to many prayers coming out of Washington, and he's somebody that gives me hope and inspiration. He's a leader. Uh, he's got a heck of a story you guys are going to learn about, and I am, uh, I, I'm hoping that I, I'm going to have the honor of calling him my friend because he is running for governor in the state of Washington, and his name is Semi Bird. My friend, how you doing, Mr. Bird? Brother, it's good to be with you. Thank you for having me on your show today. I appreciate you joining me. I know, uh, you know, I claim to be really busy because it's elk season, but I can't imagine your schedule. <laughs> with it is. It's uh, it's running and gunning uh, six and seven days a week, but uh, this is important. Um, this is a mission, um, just like any other special forces mission I've ever been on. And uh, this is important. This is the future for our children and our grandchildren, and it's up close and personal for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and and man, what what a hurdle you guys have to jump uh, in the state yeah. of Washington with a lot of this. And so I I want to I'm gonna uh, hopefully we can dig into some of that. But I'm really excited about you. Um, I'm really excited about your candidacy. Uh, I I've seen a lot of support you've shown for hunting the the hunters and anglers of the state of Washington. And there is a lot of there's a big knot to untangle in the state of Washington, and and we'll get into that. But before we do that. Uh, give us a little bit of be- about your background. Like who, who is semi bird and yeah. how'd you get to where you're at now? Yeah, no. Um, so it's, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll try to make it quick. You know, I'm, I'm that kid that was uh, born into poverty. You know, I started out, um, pre-civil rights in, uh, one of the toughest areas, you know, East Oakland, California, um, 1961, born to a single mom with seven children. And my mother was an amazing, strong woman. And she raised me um, to have faith. She raised me to be accountable. She raised me not to be a victim. And I believe, well, no, I know the reason she raised me to be resilient was so that I would be capable of overcoming adversity capable of navigating the challenges that life throws at all of us, regardless of race, creed, or color, or religion, because all Americans have tough times. Uh, All human beings have tough times in their lives. And that's what parents do. You want your children to be equipped to navigate the hardships of life. And my mother did it. And she knew what we were dealing with back in the day. And so she raised me not to be a victim. She raised me to be accountable. 
And so she moved us to Seattle, Washington when I was seven. I was raised in Seattle, Washington. We were a poor family, but mom kept working hard and slowly but surely we moved up above that poverty line just slightly. (laughs) So to get us off of food stamps and welfare, because she knew that that was no way for any family or any American to live. And she just kept pushing on. And, uh, you know, I struggled uh, in school, K through 11, dropped out of high school um, after getting terrible grades throughout, joined the Marine Corps because they had the best looking uniforms. So Semper Fi <laughs> to all the devil dogs out there listening. Hey, I want to um, make a point of that real quick, Mr. Bird. <laughs> I, there is something about the uniform, and that is one of the reasons why I, too, joined the Marines. I felt like oh, my they had the best uniforms, <laughs> and I was going to get all the girls because of this uniform. <laughs> you know, you can't deny it. And, and I'm going to shortcut ahead because... You know, 16 years later, I went into Army Special Forces after 9-11 and became a Green Beret, right? And Uh here it is, combat, and, you know, your tip of the spear. And my guys, my team would say, would you please shut up about the Marine Corps? For goodness sakes, you're a Green Beret, you know, (laughs) less than the 1%. And I just got to give it to the Corps, man. When they, when they, I was going to say raise us, you know, when they make us into Marines, they don't mess around. But I did. I, I served two enlisted. You know, got in trouble like some of us do, um, but navigated it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, without reading into it, got my rank back a little bit and got my honorable discharge, my good conduct medal, sea service deployment, a couple West Packs in there, and expeditionary. And uh, my high school diploma, naturally, uh, honored my word to my mom. Later on, went to college, got my bachelor's degree in business administration, summa cum laude, 4.0. So nice. that just says you never give up on a child. We, we learn different. It turns out I was a little bored in school and, and socially, you know, I was picked on a little bit. And, and I'm not going to say maybe I didn't ask for some of that because maybe I had a chip on my shoulder. You know, it's, it's been a long time and I don't remember and I don't need to, but you just keep moving forward. And uh, went to college uh, graduate school to get my uh, graduate degree uh, in human resource development at Philadelphia University and accomplished that 3.74 finishing up my phd in organizational psychology i just have to finish my research um so that's america wow right that's, that's you know impressive well blessed <laughs> blessed my that's impressive. I don't, I don't think, you know, just to put it into perspective with how you were born, which, by the way, we, we America needs more moms like yours. Mm, and yeah. and uh, to, to go from that to serving our country for that many years, I mean, going going from that to college and 4.0, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever, between high school and college, ever received a 4.0. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I'm just not that smart. I work hard, but uh, not that smart. And so that's really impressive. And now you're working on your PhD. That's fantastic, man. Jim, thank you. No, I got obsessed um, in, in my undergraduate with, with, with grades. And again, I think it's because I struggled so much. But when I realized if I studied hard and I worked hard, I could do it. And then I became obsessed with it. And so mm-hmm. nothing came easy. Nothing was given, such as life, right? Everything earned. And I, I forced myself and I knuckled down and I wasn't going to accept anything less. And, and when I went to graduate school, yes, I, you know, you take a B plus or whatever, but I still worked hard and I still maintained amazing grades. And, and, and through my PhD, I'm still finishing that up. But, but no, it's, it's, it's life. 
And in its life with, with working, going out there, and if there's something that you believe in, then if you push hard enough in, in, in this country with the liberties and freedoms that people have fought for, bled for, and died for, then you can accomplish it. And that's what people forget. They, they people who have never traveled this world, and and as I alluded to, you know, 16 years later, after getting that honorable discharge from the Corps, you know, post 9/11, I found myself back in uniform as a Green Beret at the tip of the spear in combat. And and they don't give you a Bronze Star of Valor and a Purple Heart for staying in the barracks and getting your feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, we were out there running and gunning and, and doing our duty, and and God brought me through that. And uh, I went into Special Forces Intelligence, um, worked with some amazing, amazing professionals from being on an A-team through working with SOCOM and, and, and what we call TSOCs, but Theater Special Operations Commands, you know, got to get language training. Uh, so for two different foreign languages in Spanish and Mandarin Chinese, I got to travel the world. I got to, again, work with some amazing agencies. And so I've been very blessed. And then I left active duty, uh, went into the National Guard. I'm proud to be a citizen soldier, you know, retired, 24 years total service, mm-hmm. Corps and, you know, Army, and then National Guard, proud of my service and uh, um, was going to go to the agency, but we got pregnant with my youngest and I was honored to get a job with the United States Department of Energy. I worked my way up from a GS nothing to a GS 14 out of 15, became a federal director of organizational development, um, later a director of, of training and leadership development, and uh, taught at WSU, Washington State University. And then I, I got my own business going as a professional development consultant, helping other corporations function and perform effectively and efficiently and training leaders how to be better leaders. And uh, no, I've, I've enjoyed life, you know, nothing yeah. easy, as they said, but uh, I've enjoyed it. I'm always, I'm always uh, inspired by people who they, they have this, this need, this desire and this want to kind of take a bite out of everything in life and, and, you know, yeah. dip your toes into each pond you come across kind of yeah. thing. And uh, that's, that's obviously kind of part of your story there. Um, it is. I'm curious when when you got out of the Marines and and then like 9/11 happens and and you go mm-hmm. back into the Green Berets. Where where did you serve overseas? Oh, um, Iraq. And so um, for combat, um, pr- pr- primarily Iraq. Um, I served in Enduring Freedom. Oh, you um, did. Also, yes. Okay, so yeah. I was in Enduring Freedom, and that's why I asked. I'm, I'm just yeah, curious yeah, yeah, and so. And on that, so this is important, and not to cut you off, but what what I, I also want your listeners to understand. So, in ver- enduring freedom, the operation, it's not just in Afghanistan. And so, I was actually on the Sinai Peninsula, and uh, I deployed as a sniper team leader I, I on the clar- Sinai. I got to clarify yeah. something, and and have you yeah. come right back? I was I was really excited when you were talking about. That. I was in Iraqi freedom, not enduring freedom. So, got you. Uh, just wanted to yeah. clarify that. So, uh, oh, I was in Iraq in the spring of '03. Uh, okay, pick up where oh, yeah. you left there. Yeah, yeah, no. So you you were there when when we were really getting active in Iraq, and I came in in two thousand five with others, mm-hmm. and all the way through, you know, we um, I, I won't say my A team, but part of the task force, you know, during our deployment, we took down uh, Zarqawi, you know, the number one in Al Qaeda oh, there, yeah. um, and that was that was a great mission. There were some great things that happened, but I was just going to say, enduring freedom typically attributed to Afghanistan. We had people working all over in different theaters 
supporting uh, enduring freedom, which is yeah. typically um, executed in Afghanistan. And so, but yes, I served in Iraqi freedom first and then other deployments. Um, we were, we responded, uh, to a narco terrorist threat in special operations command South, um, which is stationed at Homestead air reserve base and, um, sent folks forward into South and Central America. Um, I was, uh, in the, uh, Asia Pacific it was my last, uh, supporting operations throughout, hence my my last language in Mandarin Chinese. Uh, mm-hmm. I spent time in Taiwan um, uh, supporting, I will say, uh, building partner nation capacity, and we'll leave it at that, <laughs> and uh, uh, securing, supporting regional security in the Asia Pacific. But uh, I got to do a lot of wonderful things um, in service to our nation. But I really liked how you described me in a sense of just having that natural zest to 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 dip my my toes in different things until mm-hmm. I found my way, and that really describes who I was younger, and as I found myself as I matured, and then things just came natural. It was wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, and, and again, just to, just to kind of reiterate on that, it, there's there is something about, you know, certain souls have this proclivity to to not leave this earth without experiencing, you know, like this multifaceted life. And mm-hmm. and I, I love that there, there's something that is very curious about those individuals, very, um, you know, a, a go getter attitude and. You know, even even though I have to forgive you for leaving the Marines for the Army, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, I, I, uh, I, you know, we could do a whole podcast on that. I, I, actually, oh yes, we could. I, I had the the fortunate experience of uh, working with. They were not Green Berets, but they were Army Special Forces guys that were uh, opened my mind to what. Army Special Forces was from a sense of, you know, you're a cocky young Marine and then all of a sudden you meet these guys who are miles ahead of you in the, in the you know, operations community that uh, it's it's like it's worlds apart. I mean, just worlds <clears throat> apart and a bit and a big difference. So it was it was really we, we learned a lot from those guys and it was perfect oh, timing because yeah. it was just just before the Iraq war started. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you do all this, you, you, uh, have a, like this consulting business and you've, you've, uh, working through college. Did you wake up one morning and you thought, you know what, I've done all this stuff. Why not, why not try being the governor? How, how did yeah. you come to that? No. So never interested in politics at all. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I had been asked, I moved over to Eastern Washington, which is uh, typically conservative, um, but has been changing um, slowly but surely. Um, and and I and I even hate to say that because you know America's America, but reality is reality um, in terms of values and belief structures and ideologies. But um, I had been asked to run for office for a long time, and, and I think it's because, just to speak frankly, um, being a conservative man of color is just not the natural thing. That's like spotting a, you know, a brown unicorn out there while you're in the hunt or something. It doesn't happen. And so um, people said, why don't you get involved in politics? I I think you do well. I'm like, well, no, thank you very much. I've served my country um, two branches and in government and retired from the U S government, retired from the military. I'm good. And then this governor and this attorney general proceeded to shut down our state um, uh, under the guise of COVID. Mm -hmm. And then went against our constitutional rights with mandates 
and 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 masking and vaccinations and then started to terminate people and shutting down places of worship and they just continued to move forward and when they shut down schools i said okay that's enough i will run for school board and i got elected to the school board and i saw what was happening in in, in the education system and i quickly pulled my daughter out of the public education system that she had been in since birth mm-hmm. and put her in private school thank goodness we had the resources to do that. And I served in, in the district and I fought back against the mandates. And of course they came after me um, biggest day. And it wasn't just because we voted to give mass choice. That was the primary weapon that they used to, to come after us. But, but I fought back against critical race theory. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, a person or a child's color doesn't determine their outcome in life in this niche in this country. No, it does not. Do you- it's their effort. Do you think that uh, the military has something to do with that mindset? Because it, it, this is like a two-part question. Yeah. I know I, it's a topic that most people don't like to talk about, and I think that that's why it's difficult to talk about when it, it really shouldn't be. Why is it that people of color are generally not known to be super conservative? And your, I, I guess the, the, those are two totally different questions. So, so let's yeah. just stick with that first one first. Yeah, it's it's a messaging. Uh, it's a combination of things. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you my two cents. Um, we lost our way a long time, a, a long time ago. And I will say as a party and, and I am no fan of po- party politics mm-hmm. at all. Um, I'm a fan of the Constitution. I, I'm a fan of the American way of life and American traditions. And so we and I will say as a Republican, we're the party of abolition, the party that ended slavery, the party of women's rights, the party of civil rights. Yep. And that being said, how in the heck, as you allude to in your question, can we not be the party of people of color? What the heck happened? And all I can attribute it to is people put their heads in the sand and start espousing silent majority as they were losing their constitutional republic right before their eyes and said nothing and then played nice guy nice girl and remained silent and others became bolder and then it got to a dangerous point i i think it was the messaging i think it was the lack of being comfortable talking about race um you know america and that flag represents all races all creeds all colors and all religions and that's not my opinion that is history that is fact. Yeah. People came from all over the world to this country. They they fled oppression. And I can I can quote you that plaque on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. Send me your poor, your tired, your, your tired, your huddled masses. I could quote that because it was nothing on that plaque about entitled Caucasian Anglo. No. Yeah. It was anybody and everybody come here. And you will be safe. You can practice your religion. You can make a new way. You can you can find your way in life free. And that's what America offered everyone. So how did we get so lost? And and why people of color feel and lost that attachment to conservative values? It was messaging, and I call it a giant psychological operation. And and now we live in what I also call a progressive plantation to which we now have modern day racism to where we're teaching children, black and brown, 
that there's something wrong with them, that their color makes them the victim in a country to which black and brown people are shareholders by birth, like any other American. Again, a black American, a white American, an Asian American, a Hispanic American, we share one commonality by birth or by naturalization, and that is American. Yeah. Yeah. I get preachy. I'm sorry. I get no, I get that, emotional. It's, yeah, it's such a great point that you bring up too. And the and it, I I think that if if more people within the context of like historical data, mm-hmm. historical truth, mm-hmm. it it just vexes me sometimes that the Democrat Party has this thing where they think they have a hold on, on minority or, or, you know, whatever, whatever classification they have, they have a, they have a tendency to classify everybody and every, everybody's going to fall within a tribe and they're very tribal that way. And I, I think that the, the Republican Party is, is somewhat to blame from an, from the extent of they've been afraid to talk about it. And uh, and afraid because I, I think that it's just more of a, I I do believe that the Republican Party has had the tendency to just be a little bit more colorblind and not worry mm-hmm. about it. And it's created this opportunity for the Democrat, the actual literal party of the Ku Klux Klan, the the they literally fought a war to you know in advocacy for slavery and and mm-hmm. so and and a lot of people can argue that point the civil war wasn't about slavery no it it was the civil war wouldn't have happened without slavery so yes. so don't tell me that but yeah they fought a war to advocate for slavery where 3 quarters of a million people died within this country and the, what they did though is they they took this messaging and they started like spinning a what happened and b what they're going to do for you Yes. You know what I mean? And and oh, a do. lot of people kind of fell for this, you know, I am a victim. I need I need the I need the protection of the government. And all this is not to say that racism doesn't exist. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Racism does exist. It what does. I'm what I'm arguing is I don't think it exists on the level to which it is highlighted as today. And and you were in the military. I was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um you know, fun jokes and rivalries aside, we didn't care who we were sharing a fighting hole with because they were Marines. I had his back. He had my back. And that's all we cared about. That's all we cared about. And so I guess my question was, do you think that maybe uh, your belief in that, in in what we're, we're, what we're talking about, does that, does some of that come out of the military and the, and the, and the brotherhood and the, uh, the, the, just the, the overall camaraderie that is the military uh, where where race is a non-issue. So here's what I'll say. And so this is beautiful that you brought this up. It, it is beautiful. And I'm going to share just a very quick story. And, and it, it, well, let me just get right to it. So in the core, when I told you I got in trouble, it was because I punched a racist who was senior to me right in the face because he was free and loose with the N word and finally put hands on me. Now he was Good a one-off you. and I, Oh, you know, of course. Right. And, 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 and naturally, I, again, you take the heat there, there's, there's accountability for your action, but this is back in the early eighties. And this was a one-off and you hear in my voice and, and you can through audio, you can feel my heart and love for my core. It did not, it did not dissuade me from my love of the core because this one individual was a unique one-off and remnant of, as you alluded to, 
that very small minority of ignorant individuals. Mm -hmm. The only time I ever had an incident, but to your point, moving forward and even before that one individual, never. Back in my day, we used to say light green, dark green Marines, but we were always yeah. green. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's how it we was. It that too. was how, that too. Oh, absolutely. Because we, as I, I joke, we were raised as Marines. We were, we were groomed as Marines to understand and acknowledge our commonality or our commonality that we were all green. Right. And even in moving forward into the army and in, in the special forces, it never came up. Never. And for a fact, as you say, and someone who's been on the receiving end, as I said, you know, I look at my wall and I see, you know, my service at the tip of the spear. And I will tell you when blue bullets are flying and your belly button is trying to drive itself through the asphalt <laughs> in a street in Baghdad and yeah. people are returning fire, you don't care. And having served on the team and served with others, we never cared what your color was, your politics, your religion. We did not. We loved and respected each other as brothers and sisters. Now on an A team, we're all men, but we loved each other as brothers yep. and, and there was no, and we always said you're either on the team or you're not, which meant we were a family. We gave our lives for one another. And I promise you, and I'm sure your listeners can hear me through, through audio. There's no equivocation on that. So no, Jim, you're hundred percent right. Yes. The military has helped me and validated better yet validated how i was raised yeah. not to be a yeah. victim exactly you're, um, not, you're not letting you're not letting some political party define you, you because no. you're an independent man that is yes. destined to create your own destiny and that's what i that's what i really like about you I've been talking about Hoffman Boots for a very long time. You guys know that I'm a huge fan of this company. And it's not just the great products that they make. It's the story behind the company and the people that run it. This generational family of shoemakers right here in North Idaho makes some of the best hunting boots and pack boots and lineman boots and all your boot needs right in one place at HoffmanBoots.com. For us hunters, I highly recommend the Explorer. And I don't care if you're running in the six inch or the eight inch or the 10 inch personally i i love my eight inch explorers they've got the vibram sole they are totally waterproof there's no break-in period guys you can't go wrong with hoffman boots because you get all that without breaking the bank so check them out at hoffmanboots.com and use promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 at checkout for 10 percent off and find out why i have been wearing my Hoffman boots for years and years. Don't be one of those people that have it in their mind that Savage Arms is the same firearms that your grandpa was running around with 40 years ago. It's not. Big game hunting rifles that you can count on. I love my Savage firearms. I have got the Savage 110 Hunter uh, and my daughter is uh, pretty happy with this 110, 110 Apex Hunter XP. Um, the AccuTrigger is a really interesting little piece to this firearm, and it's a new piece of technology that uh, if you've never tried one, you should, because it'll make you more accurate. It's it's a much easier, higher quality firearm than anything else I've got out there, and I've, I've got a lot of firearms, guys. And so if you're in the market for a new hunting rifle, 
make sure you visit SavageArms.com because I promise you, you're going to find something that is accurate, easy to handle, easy to use, long range, functional, just a high quality weapon that you could take to the field and have a lot of confidence that when the time comes, you've got that Savage backing you up and you're going to be notching a tag. Check it out, SavageArms.com. Let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And that's what I really like about what I I think, I guess, the way maybe the party is moving towards. I feel like it's it's becoming stronger. And and I am not a stone-cold Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually more of a libertarian, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't think libertarians can win. So I generally vote yeah. Republican. And so no? that's, that's kind of the direction I go until, until there's more of that side of it. But yeah, you know, I, my biggest thing is, is, uh, you know, I, I'm a very simple guy, Mr. Bird. I, I, I just, I don't want the government, whether it's state, federal, local, county, wh- whatever. I don't want the federal government up in my life. I don't want them determining my destiny. I don't want them telling me what I can and can't do. Like you, I saw a lot of problems with the public education system. So my wife and I, we homeschool our kids. Uh, We do what we can to be as self-reliant and self-sufficient as we can uh, out here in, in, you know, North Idaho, Western Montana, where we live. And and, um, I I think that that's kind of the America that uh, foundationally we we set it up as from the beginning. And when I say we, I'm talking about, you know, the founding fathers and and, uh, within the parameters of the Constitution. And and it just seems like nobody has respect for that anymore. And, and, you know, I'm long enough in the tooth to to be very blunt when it comes to politicians and politics and things from a stance where, you know, there's not a lot of people in office— and and I don't think you're ever going to be one of these guys, but I don't really care what they say. I don't care what they promise because it just never comes to fruition. It just seems oh. like we get the wool pulled over our eyes and it's like, oh, that guy sounds great. I love that he said this and he stands for that and he's going to promise me this. And then it never happens. And, yeah. and I, I don't understand it. I, I just, they they end up you know, getting bribed to vote this way or getting this to, you know, some incentive to do the other thing. And, and and my problem with that is the federal government should not be so powerful as to allow or even create that kind of opportunity, such as pharmaceutical companies paying politicians to vote a certain way. Yeah. I, I just you're speaking to my heart. Oh, okay. No. So Jim, Jim, no, you're, you're, you're speaking to my heart. And, 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 and then there's that other thing as, as, as you're describing me in a sense of what I am not. And now, again, your listeners are going to hear my passion. So let me just bring some facts here in Washington state in this governor's race. I have been labeled as the candidate of the people, the grassroots. And and here's why every single politician representative and Senator in Olympia, that is our state capital that are Republican, the Republican establishment is not with me, not one of them. They, they have all in unity, all of them have countered together and said, we are going to support this other candidate who is running as a Republican, a, a, a former U.S. congressman who is running and just got in the race. Mm-hmm. Just a couple months ago, whereas on Veterans Day and our Constitution Day last November is when I announced and I have been out there six days a week running and 
taking my message to the people. But this proves what you were saying. How is it that not one state representative, not one state senator, and on top of that, a U.S. congresswoman calls me to her district to meet in the lobby of the hotel in Spokane and proceeds to try to talk me out of running for governor to take another position because she and the people she represents hear that last phrase (laughs) (laughs) is supporting this other individual. So you talk about the establishment. Well, there it is. Yeah, that is right out there. And then all of a sudden overnight, this other person is raising maximum donations Maximum donation is a $2,400 donation per person. And within a matter of 60 days, 2,400, 2,400, That is proof in and of itself of the existence of the establishment. And just as you said, I've been a Republican my entire life because of what it traditionally signified, mm-hmm. the party of abolition, the party of civil rights. But what we are seeing is this takeover by career politicians at the expense of career Americans with this deviation from the Constitution. So whereas if you are rich enough and you are powerful enough, you are deciding for the citizens who is going to be the candidate. Yeah, That's not what a constitutional republic is. Exactly. That's, that's, and, and, that and, sickens me. That that oh, it, it just mm-hmm. sickens me, and so yeah. that and I think that you know, Mister Bird, I, I think that that's why people are so inclined to attach themselves to a candidacy, candidacy like yours. It, it actually, you know, I think this is also why the the non career politician gets a lot of traction these days. You know, look at Trump; yeah. he, he wasn't a he wasn't a career politician. He mm-hmm. somehow came in and and beat Hillary Clinton. Uh, who's had decades of experience at this and and billions of dollars behind her, uh, and and there's there's a reason why the guy can't mm-hmm. be bought, and and, yeah. and that's that I think is what people are. are we are all so tired. We are we are just so leery and tired of your typical Democrat and Republican that come out and they're, you know, they're well-funded by so-and-so and, 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 you know, name your special interest and name your lobbyist group. And, and we're just so tired of hearing these promises only to get them elected and nothing happens and nothing, nothing gets better. In fact, it gets worse. The, these, Mm -hmm. these giant corporations and conglomerates dig their, dig their talons into these people and, 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 you know, there's just no changing them and they just all sound the same and sing the same, same tune. Um, so, so that said, can you give us like the elevator pitch of Semi Bird? Am I saying your first name right, by the way? It's it's Semi, but I have semi. a lot of friends okay. who still call me Semi. It's okay, brother. But yeah, Semi. Okay. It's it's. Yeah. I, I I am. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna like send you a T-shirt or something for uh, for messing up it. your first name. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I love sorry it. about I'll that. I'll take so, it. I'll take it. Give us give us the elevator pitch as to why Washingtonians um, are and. and I, I, before I ask this, I, I want people to understand, obviously, anybody that listens to this show, you guys know I, I don't live in Washington. I have. I've, I lived in Spokane for a spell, uh, but I don't live in Washington. But the governor race that I am caught up in and I am just kind of wrapping myself into for the coming year is the the governorship for the state of Washington. 
And if you listen to our episodes from from last winter, this is again to the listeners. You'll understand why. There's yes. there's we're we're going to get to this, but we we haven't got there yet to the hunting and fishing side of it. But so that said, uh, it's not like I am a stakeholder in the state of Washington, but I I want to do what I can to to get Sammy Bird to the point in which this there is a lot of viability and feasibility with getting you elected governor. So tell tell everybody listening, um, wh- why why choose you for governor? Well, you you touched on the first half. Um, I can't be bought. They tried. You don't take this position. We'll support your campaign, right? Um, mm-hmm. We've got you here. We've got you. No, I can't be bought. So there's that integrity, and let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about having a resume. Whereas a candidate actually has the knowledge, skills, and ability to take a position day one and know how to run an operation. I'm a professional consultant on organizational development and structure with specificity and performance improvement. And I can tell you right now in Washington State, we need some performance improvement, as do most blue states. And I will say day one, and as I have already stated, we're going to call for a third party audit of all state programs and all state offices, not to target anybody, but to find out how are we spending our money? How are we performing? What are those key performance indicators that you're using to measure performance, right? Or are we pouring more money at the same failed policies and procedures? So there's that actually putting someone in the position who can actually create value for the citizens they serve. And then there's that word, serve. In a constitutional republic, I don't work for myself, and the citizens I serve certainly don't work for me. I work for them. Just like the Constitution is not put in place to protect the government, it's put in place to protect the governed, in which all power resides. And we have forgotten that. And so let's talk about homelessness. I've written a solution with action to take care of the homelessness problem in Washington state to which we are wasting billions of dollars and it's only getting worse. We have a lawlessness problem where we have laws that restrict and, and hamstring our law enforcement professionals from doing their jobs. We are literally incentivizing heroin and fentanyl abuse and giving a green light pathway to dealers to come in and create a battlefield in our streets. We have out of control addiction problems with three cartels operating in Washington state, and no one is doing a darn thing about it. I've got a solution with action on law and order to which we're going to hold judges and prosecutors who are not doing their job and enforcing the rule of law. No more letting criminals take advantage of law-abiding citizens. Every citizen deserves justice and deserves safety and security for themselves and their children and their families. And we could talk about economic prosperity and growth when we are taxing seniors out of their homes. When we are making up taxes in Washington state, an income tax is illegal according to our constitution. But this administration makes up an income tax, calls it an excise tax. 
and the Supreme Court of this state supports it. Apparently, Mm -hmm. they did not take the time to read their own Constitution. And the Supreme Court's job is to interpret the Constitution, not support the governor that appoints them. And so we have a problem in this state. It's a lack of leadership. It's a lack of integrity of action, solutions with action. And I could talk about mental health. (laughs) I know I'm going past that, that elevator speech. But the problems we face right here are are are, are so deep, Jim. Um, they are. We are we're running out of time, and and what I'm proposing it has nothing to do with politics. This has everything to do with people and preserving a quality of life for citizens, so that you can walk down the street without having to worry for your life, or stepping into human feces, or being accosted, or having a good job that you can go to that you can depend on without having to be mandated to put something into your body that that has not been proven to where the FDA gets a a get out of jail free card under the mask of COVID. I mean, I can go down the list and let's just talk about taking away our second amendment rights. Washington state has some of the highest protections for the right to bear arms, article one, section 24. And that has been abused by this administration. And they call it an assault weapons ban or a magazine capacity ban when the American Psychological Association has empirically stated that guns don't kill people. People kill people. And that is based off of social and psychological indicators. And I can go deep on that because I am a behavioral scientist. So, yeah. um, so much to you, say. You'd be perfect for that, actually. <laughs> oh, my friend, I will tell you, they're stepping on our constitutional rights. And they, again, the Constitution is for all citizens, regardless of political affiliation, race, creed, or color, or religion. The Constitution is for we, the people. And this will only be fixed by the actions, courage of we, the people. And, and whether you live in Washington State, Idaho, or Utah, And I'm so glad and and proud of you, my friend, for stepping up and recognizing, because you know what I know, Yeah, that it's only a matter of time. I've already told my friends who are running towards the the border, running into Utah um, and Idaho for safety, because it's still somewhat safe there. And what I'm telling them is it's a matter of time. We stop it right here in Washington. And you know, you know, the damnedest thing about that whole, that, that scenario that you're describing where it's, you know, I, I don't personally, I I wouldn't blame somebody living in, let's say they, they live uh, in the Tacoma area and they've had it with the politics in the state of Washington and they decided to up and move to Idaho where, where freedom still exists. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't blame that individual, but my warning to them is how, if we don't stop it there, if we don't stop it in California, Mm-hmm. How long until it starts coming to Idaho and Montana and Utah and Wyoming and, and these other states? You know, I was just in central Washington because part of my job, I work for a large contracting firm and I drive around and I, I visit, uh, you know, job sites that are these big commercial projects uh, in the in the roofing space. And so I was just in OMAC, Washington, right there. Mm-hmm. And, and the sad part about it, man, I can't tell you how bad I'd love to hunt that area. It's mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful area, and it, the country is so perfectly suited for mule deer, and and it's it's just a I, I would love 
to spend some time up in like the Oroville area and and these, yeah. the Tenasket area and and you mm-hmm. know spend spend some time in the woods and and pursue this passion of mine. But then it hit me. I pulled up to a gas station, Sammy, and I spent five dollars and four cents on <laughs> the cheap stuff. Yeah, I I don't and and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I I'm yeah. not I'm not a person that you know, denies climate change or, or accepts it fully. I'm kind of in between where I know that climate change exists, but what, what I'm lacking is the evidence as to why and what's yeah. taking place. So I don't believe that the government should be taxing citizens to try to take care of climate change because that's not going to change anything. And so it no. drives me crazy when states like Washington use climate change as an excuse to legislate and tax everybody to, de- to death. How do you respond And that's to that? well said. No, that, that that's well said, because again, and, and for, for your listeners, so you were talking about Okanagan County, which which yeah. it is beautiful. And, and I'm going to I'm going to go over to your border and I'm going to I'm going to talk about Ponderay County for a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I hit all those small towns in Ponderay County and cross over to Stevens County a little bit more inland. But but in Ponderay County, you can go up north from Spokane and you can go right across the street, literally into Idaho, right? Yep. And and pay three something per gallon. Yeah. Versus five dollars. And and what we're talking about is simply the Climate Commitment Act, aka cap and trade, to which this governor and this legislation of Washington State, under the guise of climate change change, has brought forth this law that says to any oil producing company, we are going to penalize you. If you produce 25,000 um, tons of carbon in your product, we are going to make you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for that. Let and yes, and there's a limit to that. And so now you also have to bid for permits just to continue to have an avenue to sell your product. And so that is costing them so much. It has added almost, well, as of September 8th, it was 50 cents per dollar for gas on top of the already high overtaxed gas prices and 61 per, uh, 61 cents per gallon of diesel yeah. on top of the already overpriced. So literally you have out of control inflation, you have economic crisis across the nation, but certainly in Washington state. And if you go to Seattle or the West side where the cost of living is out of control to those families living at or below the poverty line, and they're trying to get to work and they're having to fill up just like anybody else. And they're paying almost a hundred dollars. And if you have a business, if you're a trucker, diesel, I mean, they're killing people with their policies. It's. I don't understand how, especially somewhere like Washington, over in western Washington, I don't understand how those tables never turn politically and they keep voting for these Democrats. Because to, to the point that you just made, you know, for, for the example that I used where I filled up, it was $5.04 for, for regular unleaded gas. Now, mm-hmm. that does not come out of my personal pocketbook because I'm in a company truck and I use a company gas card. But where mm-hmm. does that come from? So I'm, let's say I'm doing a bid for a public school 
in uh, you know Okanagan County or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, all all these. I, I serve a lot of school districts in the state of Washington. Where does that what what, what happens when I have to fill up yeah. and it's it's a hundred dollars to fill my truck up three times to get to one roof to look at to get a price together and 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 put it out to bid. So yeah. that money yeah. gets passed down because then you have to take into account all the cruise trucks. All the diesel it takes to get those roofing materials on site. Uh, mm-hmm. th- this is this is all elevating the entirety of the the cost. I, I mean, you're talking. Well, I'll put it into perspective. I've been doing this a long time. For an elementary school to replace a roof in the state of Washington is 35 percent more right now than it was two years ago or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And and there's just really no reason for it. And and to to sit there and, and accuse uh, climate change on on all of this is. There is just no evidence to back that up, and the money that you're taking to to address that is not actually going anywhere to address or reducing climate change. So what are you talking about, and why do people keep falling for these liberals that shove this down their throats, and and, and they keep voting for this same stuff? I, I don't understand how people can keep doing that. My friend, it comes down to messaging, because to your point, just real quick for common sense, because... That is why we're so successful at the grassroots level. As we said, yeah, the establishment bringing all their money and all. So they're going to appeal to that elite class. But the real down to earth, everyday citizen going to work, trying to put food on the table, take care of their family. I'm bringing the common sense. And the common sense is simply this. When we were talking about climate change the other day on the West Side and someone asked me a question, I gave them an example like this. I said, let's just say you live in this building right here and across the street. No, so over here, we are we are paying all this money for to ensure that we have low emissions. We're doing all those things. We have low carbon emissions. We're, 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 so we, we're really strapped because we're, we're subscribing to it. But right across the street, they're over there burning all kinds of stuff. And there's clouds coming out and there's no regulation on that. And what I said is that is China and that is India. Right there. Yep. And so exactly. here you are busting your butt over here to 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 subscribe to this. And by the way, you have the lowest carbon emissions of any country in the world, but over there, they're out of control. And then you have people like our governor, Governor Inslee, and his appointed one, Bob Ferguson, who has proposed this by twenty thirty or thirty-five that we're all gonna be at electric vehicles. Right. And and those electric vehicles at a cost of sixty thousand dollars average per car and those batteries, which are like 15 to 30,000, depending on what kind of car you get. China gets enriched by that. And that cobalt is being mined in the Democratic Republic of Congo on the slave labor of children. Exactly. Right. You price all that in morally, ethically and financially. That is a ripoff all day long, and it makes no sense. We've done our share in America when it comes to carbon emissions. And in Washington State, because God has blessed us with rivers, we have hydroelectricity. And we're at 64.6% hydroelectricity. We produce so much electricity that we sell excess. And we are already bringing forth new technology to store it so we can use it more and longer. And what I'm proposing with my new energy solutions with actions is to bring forward nuclear energy, bring forward portable nuclear energy, which will enrich our state. And we will sell it 
we'll, we'll, we'll do a partnership with Idaho <laughs> and, and Utah, <laughs> right? At a discount, take care, take care of some good governance over there and sell it cheap. But we're profiting over here in Washington state. So we need to bring common sense back. It doesn't make sense. And so what I'm doing is I'm bringing, I'm talking common sense and people are listening to me because they're like, it makes no sense. And Jim, they're suffering. They're seeing it every day. I'm suffering. I'm suffering. And I, I don't live, I, I, I live in a very red state and, and, but there's only so much that that can take place when you have a federal government that's out of control. I'm suffering it. And and I cannot complain about the kind of income that I make. I, you know, you'll never hear me complaining about that, but it's really hitting me and it's affecting us. And, and I can't imagine, you know, a, a blue collar, you know, starting out their career, Twenty five, thirty dollars an hour. You know, how are you making it? How are they even making it? And so, this is. A, and and I, I apologize. We're going down some rabbit holes here. I know we're we're getting oh, so close cool. to uh, our hour. So I wanna, I wanna kind of switch the conversation uh, to to hunting and fishing, and yeah. mostly on the hunting side. Let's leave fishing alone for for now because um, a big part of this show over the last couple of years has been we have spent a lot of time talking about the commission in the state of washington uh Mm -hmm. this is headed up by you know people like lorna smith um who are illegally serving on the on the commission and Mm -hmm. um there there are a lot of issues where you know they they say that they're going to bring science back to wildlife management but 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 they're doing the exact opposite and instead they're, they're they're making uh, wildlife management decisions based in emotion and hyperbole and, and taking money from, from these animal activist groups such as Center for Biological Diversity and, and Humane Society of the United States. So, so uh, thus far, uh, Washington hunters have lost their spring bear season, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. The, the true offense to that, semi is it was such an insignificant syst- or, uh, season. There was, it, it was a draw-only hunt. And I don't remember how many tags uh, there were given, but roughly 150 to 200 bears were taken, uh, mostly boar. Uh, and and so to to take this season and act like they're doing some cons- you know cons- conservation good out of that is, is a total falsehood. And I heard one of the commissioners on a podcast say, you know, I know some people were upset about losing spring bear. Let me break it down to you. It's not about people being upset about losing spring bear. You are infringing on a very good, very well proven through decades since the early 1970s of a very effective wildlife management tool through spring bear hunting. Yes. A, so don't talk to me about how people are just, you know, maybe upset about losing a season. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to say. What well, is, it, 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 go ahead. It's, 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 it's their mindset. And so what we know to be true and this just happens to be something i'm i'm aware of because and it's it started it actually started out academically <laughs> and it was because um a friend of mine brought this to my attention this is some years ago so well before again where i'm at now in terms of political office and and this mission but i wrote on the north american uh, model for 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 wildlife conservation and and that goes back to the beginning of our nation Right. Yeah. Um, and, and those pillars. Right. I think there's like seven pillars um, or, or tenants of. And, the, and the so seven sisters. Yep. Yep. There you go. And, and, it, and, and I'm speaking off the top of my head. So I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but it starts with that we have a natural right 
um, to, to hunt and to fish. But then we corrected ourselves from the very first to the second when we put the restriction on commercial and we just continue to grow. And now we're at this point where we have the predators and we have the prey and, and we have advanced as a society in, 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 in such a way as we have occupied nature and territory to which we have already changed the ecosystem just by our presence, our natural presence. And so that North American model has been scientifically proven to be effective to which when you talk about the, the spring bear hunt, that is a tool in and of itself to regulate and to control. Absolutely. Proven. And so what we're seeing in, in eastern Washington, and you've probably heard, um, we're, we're now we're, we're seeing wildlife predators encroach into towns oh, yeah, absolutely. and doing damage harming citizens and 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 cattle and pets um because they took that away and 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 we're and believe it or not i mean you know we we had requests just at the last meeting i'm going to be testifying in olympia at the next one um next month um because i am you know you walk your talk that's just how i roll and so i'll be in olympia um next month letting people know that there's change coming because the governor appoints the commissioners. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and this governor supports the North American model for wildlife conservation and understands that those controls by that model protects. And, and I understand there is no greater steward of our waters and our hunting grounds and our, and our wildlife than generations of hunters and anglers. Those are the greatest stewards I, yeah. ever. When you talk when you talk about the stewards of the land and the and the wildlife, yes. the only true stakeholder there is really are hunters. Because yeah. there a stakeholder is somebody that has a stake in the outcome mm-hmm. of the good or bad of that species or or you know, a stakeholder has has a has a personal stake in the financial yes. outcome of a company, you know, for for example. When when you look at the tangible re uh, the the tangible results that come out of hunting season, you know we get we get a freezer full of meat, we get we get the memory, we get that that primal um, instinct to be fulfilled uh, through adventure on on the mountain in the wild. Th- only only hunters experience that, not bird watchers, yes. not hikers, not. And I'm not saying they can't go out and enjoy it. But the true stakeholder in hunting, and so I can't remember what her name was, but she said that hunters are not the big stakeholder in the state of Washington, one of the, one of the commission members. And she said that hunters need to, um, you know, I can't remember how she put it. My buddy, uh, he owns Black Creek, or I'm sorry, Black River Taxidermy uh, out mm-hmm. there in eastern Washington, Joel Swecker. I think you've met him uh, recently mm-hmm. at an event. Good but, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and a uh, heck of a taxidermist, by the way. Um, yes. The uh, he just he he told me who she, who she or what her name was and and what the exact words were. Now they're now they're evading me. But essentially, it was something along the lines that hunters should be worried because the there are at least three members of the current Wild, Washington Wildlife Commission that are um, essentially you can't just label them as such. But there is a lot of evidence to support the fact that these these folks are anti hunting activists. 
They have yes. they have that mentality to uh, what is called preservation versus conservation, and there's there's a big difference in this idea that that in today's society with with everything that we've developed between freeways and trains and rail lines and airports and cities and urbanized areas and taking away winter ranges and taking away normal habitats to think that animals can just manage themselves is a lunatic it's lunacy it's yes. a ludicrous mindset to have we have to have this management and so i think a governor uh, going into the state of washington really needs to be cognizant of that and and understand that you know we were talking about how you know like just the okanagan county earlier there are tons of area in the state of washington i would love to go hunt i would love to have the opportunity to go hunt that and and the the sad part about it is how washington is managed through you know they're threatening to make elk hunting a draw system uh, yeah. They're they're threatening to take away cougar and bear all, all altogether from from the hunting season, and you know I I think you as a governor going in there and understanding like, like they did that in California where you were born they took away mountain lion hunting and now the state th- spends thousands upon thousands of dollars hiring professional hunters to go in and strategically remove these uh, these mountain lions why why when hunters will pay for that they'll do that and and the state will generate revenue. Uh, wolf, absolutely. wolf issues, uh, especially in eastern Washington. You've got wolves coming in by the hundreds from the Idaho side, and and they are they're killing livestock, hurting hurting farmers and ranchers. They're wiping out elk numbers. There is such a pile of problems going on in the state of Washington that I almost feel bad for you should you get elected because it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of work. Well, it, it, there is a lot of work, and, and you know it's almost like. This job at this time is made for someone who has served in combat at the tip of the spear as a special forces Green Beret or a recon <laughs> or, you know, a Marine Raider. So I'll, I'll bring my core back in. But, uh, oh, no, it, it, you know, it's with no fear. You know, Joshua 1-9, be, be, be strong and courageous. And that's how I roll, right? Be, be not afraid, be not dismayed. Yes. And so... Um, no, um, this this mission and what we're talking about in terms of supporting our hunters and our anglers, here's the beauty about this and, and the North American model. This is not political. It, it, it's not political. It has Wildlife nothing. Wildlife management to, shouldn't be political. No, well, it, it's not. It shouldn't be. If you stop and think about that, hunting, generational hunting and, and fishing, it has never been political. It's not supposed to be. It, it was it was a natural occurrence, generational, and and being stewards of, of I would say, the earth, but being stewards uh, of nature. Th- what we're talking about right now and what we're asking for, it's simply to ensure and protect both nature, wildlife, and 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 our urban development, the, the citizens, yeah. and and what they're what to protect them as well as wildlife and as well. So. This is not political we're talking about. We're talking about honoring proven science. We're talking about honoring the laws of Washington, right? And and Lorna Smith, as you know, w- was recently sued. Um, and, and, and the organization that sued her, sued her um, won, right? Sportsman's Alliance. Yep. Um, um, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's we're making ground. Well, we're making ground. I like I like what you said about you know wildlife management shouldn't be politicized and it, it shouldn't it's mm-hmm. not politics because w- would you agree that that hunting has been a part of humanism since the dawn of time? 
Yes. And animal rights activism is a relatively new thing in the grand scheme of, of uh, human nature. Absolutely. So, so the politics are coming from the, the emotion-based activism that comes out of these folks that don't think you should kill anything. Uh, in fact, there's there's a really uh, there's a really out there group in Oregon. Gosh, what is that? IP IP. Th- I'm going to totally slaughter the number. <laughs> the or- mm. Oregonians will know what I'm talking about. IP 39 or something like that. <laughs> they're they're wanting to do away with the entirety of of uh, you know cattle farming, any kind of meat production, hunting, fishing, trapping, uh, everything. You know and and that's the stuff that is that is that is derived out of activism, which I, I believe, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, activism, uh, animal rights activism, is is a, you know, it derives out of the left. It derives out of uh, extreme liberalism. That's mm-hmm. where where this much of this comes from, and and much of this is kind of celebrated is is amongst the left you know you don't see the humane society of the united states helping campaigns for republicans anywhere ever oh yeah and so so tell me that nobody's bringing this to or bringing wildlife management uh to the political table except for these activists and that's why we have to be on our toes well that's very true that and it and it shouldn't be that way because again just understanding the north american model and, and really, truly believing in it as I do, and it's it's to say that when you say conservation, it, that is that protection. It's a balance. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a modern day balance that acknowledged acknowledges that man has by by occupation <laughs> of nature has changed everything to the point where that model compensates for that change that man made. And so now this model ensures that we continue to bring balance. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's, it shouldn't be political because within that model, it's, it, that balance does preserve, right? Species. Cause if you let predators go out of control, what's going to happen to the prey? Right. Yeah, exactly. and, and, and so who's making the argument for them? And, and so what we're saying is the model works. The mar- the models is empirically proven. Um, let it continue. Let us bring balance. Let us uphold generations uh, of, of, of hunting and fishing. Let us proceed with what, what's, what works. And we know that works. But yeah. like you said, why are we doing away with, with, with common sense and science for the sake of an activist approach that yields no value and does more harm. And so they're not bringing anything to the table. And as governor of Washington state, I am taking a stand against it because it's wrong. And because I'm taking a stand for the true science and for those generations of amazing stewards to protect and to preserve those traditions of Washington state to ensure that balance and the protections, true protections here in Washington state. 
I'm glad to hear you say that. And I, I always kind of, and we're, we're getting close. We're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. Here. Are, are you okay for a couple minutes? I'm enjoying this, brother. You take okay. as much time as you need. <laughs> too. I, I really am. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. But, you know, I, I love the topic of the North American model of wildlife conservation because the, the, the key word is conservation. And the root mm-hmm. of that is co- conserve. Conserve, yeah. like remember, remember in the Marines when, um, I and I'm sure they did this while, while you were in, but they'd get really mad if if you got uh, heat stroke and had a full canteen, right? Oh yes, right. That was a big deal. You were to conserve mm-hmm. water, but not mm-hmm. preserve it. Meaning, exactly. conserve means you 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 drink a little water. You you drink some yes. water. And and if yes. you get if you get sick from not enough water, you're in big trouble in the Marine Corps because you you yeah. didn't drink your water. So that's yeah. that's conservation. You're conserving for the future. Preservation means that you're not drinking any water. You're preserving that for for out yeah. there. And what happens? You get dehydrated and probably die. And mm-hmm. and that's what's going to happen to the uh, the what what these activists don't understand is preserving species and putting certain species on a pedestal while not while while ignoring other species. You're preserving yeah. one while killing the other, and eventually this is going to cause. Uh, a great deal of harm to the envi- into the entirety of the uh, ecosystem. Um, you know, he- here's something. I'm sorry to interrupt, but as I'm listening no, to you, ahead. and I and I and I and I love listening to what you're saying, and and my mind was was so drilled into what you're saying, and and here's what this comes down to, and, and I'm going to digress just a little. If you understand this concept of the activist, as, as you allude to, you can apply this to to not only climate change to which they are going above and beyond with these policies that are hurting citizens, the most vulnerable of our citizens, Um, people living and struggling below the poverty line, driving people out of their homes, driving them into despair, driving them onto the streets with their policies and dealing with the homelessness. These same activists, to give them needles to continue and to (laughs) <laughs> to support that slow death of addiction, to to give them what they call a safe space to shoot up. That is like giving them a quiet place and a bullet and a gun to shoot themselves. It's crazy. It's but nuts. that's what activists yeah. get, get you, that they bring this activist approach that does more harm than good. And the only thing that can stop this activist approach, the only thing is to speak common sense and truth so that when people see it before them, when people see and know that homelessness is out of control, that lawlessness is out of control, that we are living in a time where mental health and addiction is out of control, when we are living in a time where they continue to encroach and take away our constitutional rights as citizens. And it has nothing to do with color or religion and nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with citizens' rights and an overreach by the government on citizens where the citizens were intended to hold the power. And we're now seeing it with these commissioners as they're bringing in these special interest activists who are bringing in their own ideology to a system, mm-hmm. to a system that by our laws says 
that they are supposed to remain objective and take by law, take the feedback from those hunters and anglers. It is in Washington state law that says that's what they're supposed to do. And clearly they are not doing it. So this is just another government encroachment by way of activism that is going against our natural way of things, going against our heritage, going against our American way of life, going against our constitution and our rules of law. We are standing against that. I hope that listeners are really paying attention to what you're saying, and I hope that they are really keying in on on the phrase common sense, because I think think a lot of times— you know, we hear people say, oh, we're going to bring common sense back. But but it's such a, a, a term that is like, I, I don't want to say it's overused. I think that it's it's used in, in places in which people kind of have glazed eyes and, and don't really focus in on what that phrase means. Because yeah. there is no common sense in a- animal activism. There's just not. It's not based yeah. in reality. Uh, it's not based in, in fundamental... Um, realities on the ground whether you're you're in in the cascades or you're in the you know mojave desert it doesn't matter it's it's not based in in science it's not based in anything that you know the 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 tangible things that hunters see on the ground like like hunters go out now and they can't go in the woods without having some kind of bear encounter in the state of washington you know that's the beautiful thing with washington it has such great epic bear habitat i don't know if you hunt oh, yeah i don't know if you hunt uh bears uh mr i keep almost calling you senator bird but yeah, oh, no. i will not yeah, I will semi not. is good with me Remy. yeah <laughs> semi uh yeah and, and and so i don't i don't want to offend you with that no um, no no but it's it's like uh, you know the if you if you i don't know uh, again i don't know if you hunt bears or not if, if you ever want to hunt no. a bear you come and see me in either idaho or montana <laughs> we'll, we'll go out and make it happen but uh, Washington has such great habitat for bears. It's so perfectly mm-hmm. suited for black bears, and mm-hmm. and and to think that and it's also the population is is so robust and healthy, and and it does so well there. To think that somebody could come to a wildlife commission and say the bears need our help in the state of Washington, and we're going to ban spring bear hunting. To me. When you think of the term common sense, that there is no common sense in that. I'm sorry, None. there's just not. So I, I guess one question for you mm-hmm. uh, would be: Would you be open to the idea of? Because I don't think Washington has this, but uh, would you be open to the idea of passing a, a constitutional amendment giving Washingtonians the right to hunt? Oh, absolutely. It, it's it's already implied, and um, well, certainly it is in, in the, the the North American uh, model. Yes, um, it's yes. I think it's the the, the very first <laughs> um, uh, tenant. Um, so, yeah, yes, I I, I would. Okay, I, I would because, and again, in that amendment, it would probably need to mention the North American model of, of wildlife conservation Absolutely. because. It's it it that gives the balance. It's all about the balances because before, like I said, from from when it started, when it was introduced, and, and things got out of control with commercial, right? Commercial honey, and then we they, they had to adjust that, and they said yeah. we're not doing that, right? And so it has been fine tuned <laughs> to perfection to to grow with human growth. Um, it, yes. I would support that. And again, always because the Constitution 
and power is inherent in the people. That's Article 1, Section 1 of the Washington State Constitution. Power is inherent in, in the people, and government derives its just powers from by the consent of the governed, right? Exactly. And it's our job to protect and to maintain individual rights. So, again, while the establishment elected officials mm-hmm. um, forgot who they work for, I will not. And so something like that, once it clears the, the citizens, and I think it would – because, again, yeah, if you it, think about it, it would, it would. I mean, how many Democrats and independents hunt just like Republicans hunt? It's non-political. It, it's it's non-political. It's just yeah. the right thing to do to support it. Um, and, and I can guarantee you, if it was doing damage, it we wouldn't be talking about it. Oh, exactly, and that's that's the big that's the kicker that uh, that these animal activist groups and 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 their their bizarre uh, group of uh, you know <laughs> yeah. not offerings but uh, um, their value sets. Let's put it that way: their bizarre group of, of value sets. What they what they're always up against is the fact that the North American model of wildlife conservation is by far the most successful system of wildlife management on the planet in the history. Period. And so, it is. you know, to, to put it into a nutshell, it, 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 it gives it makes hunters the stakeholder in which hunters are the ones that in, are incentivized by good, strong wildlife populations because of the tangible meat uh, trophies, uh, everything else that you get. And I always hate to use the word trophy, but let's face it, it's, it's a part of it. So um, these are the tangible results that people, that hunters get out of being good stewards of the land and maintaining these wildlife populations. So I got one, I've got one more question for you. Yes. Okay. So this question is going to kind of come from my own personal ignorance of how, you know, governments, different various governments and levels of government work. Mm-hmm. But you've got these commissioners in the state of Washington, and I know that once they are appointed, they are, you know, confirmed through the Senate, state Senate, and then they have a certain term that they carry out. Mm -hmm. Is there an avenue as governor to remove such offensive commissioners who you feel may not be living up to what they should be as a wildlife manager for the state of Washington? I don't know if that exists. It's just a legitimate question from my end. So they they serve six year terms and and they are appointed by the governor. Yes. And 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 so if commissions are appointed by the governor, suffices to say the new governor will have an opportunity to make course correction with those commissioners who are not adhering to the law. And certainly that last statement that I made not adhering to the law must have consequences. Right now, we had commissioners serving that had not gone through Senate confirmation. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. Yes. That, I, that, oh, I know. That's part of the, the Sportsman's Alliance um, lawsuit. Yes. And, and so, and, and then as it, it's, we also had uh, the previous one, commissioners serving dual public <laughs> um, positions, right? Yep. And so, no, certainly I will utilize the law and, and the extent of my authority to ensure that we have the right balance in accordance with the law representing our hunters and anglers on the commission as per the law. Yeah. So yeah. we have an imbalance right now and needs to be made right, lawfully made right. And then that's where the governor's executive power of appointment 
comes in. So yes, um, I will. And I will utilize our law to make it happen. Well, Mr. Bird, here's what I'm going to kind of wrap this up with. I I don't, I have never really endorsed anybody, nor do I think my endorsement has, holds, you know, a lot of value. Uh, but, but take it as you will. Um, you'd be the first political candidate that I'll ever endorse right here on the show. And, and you've got it 110%. And, and I think that... I, I want to do whatever I can from my end, uh, you know, here with the platform of the Western Huntsman, you know, wh- whatever I can to help see this candidacy through to the governorship. So, you know, how can people, how can listeners help you get there? Oh, brother, first and, and foremost, thank you so much for your endorsement. I, I accept it humbly. Um, and, and, and thank you, um, from, from one devil dog to another, um, I'm, t- I'm taking this and, and right to my heart and running with it. I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody, everybody. So I have to go in public with this one because it means something it. to me. Yeah. No, I, I, I do. And, and I got to say, thank you for that. Um, and, and before I go on, well, thank you. I also want to say, as, as you know, I was at an event the other day in Arlington, um, uh, Washington, and it was hunters and anglers and some amazing people. And I don't want to throw some names out there because we don't want to make it political or get people in trouble. But these individuals, I mean, and I did not care what their party affiliation was. I didn't care. And, and I think you and I are very much aligned. We, we subscribe to the Constitution and to doing what's right yep. um, ab- above all else. And uh, um, But the way they treated me and their hearts and the nature of who they were as, as, as folks, um, I was at home there and it was a beautiful thing with beautiful people. And, um, so I, my mind was already, and my heart was already dedicated to this cause. I was already going to testify. And, um, so I'm committed to this and all I would ask and, and answering to your question is that your listeners, you know, if they would go to our website, bird, B-I-R-D for F-O-R governor.com, bird for governor.com. I, you know, Marines and Green Berets don't like to ask for money, but the establishment, you know, they already have that money just coming to them. We are going to win this thing because of we, the people, people who understand common sense and doing the right thing. If your supporters will give what they can from their hearts for someone who will stand by them uh, and and do the right thing and never forget who he works for and who he serves, then we will win. I need their support. I need their donations. And your endorsement is a huge step in the right direction. And, and I'm grateful to all of the above. Um, again, what happens in Washington, we are setting the precedent so that we protect civil liberties, not just in Washington, but in Idaho and surrounding areas, we need to bring common sense to this region and protect our American way of life. And this is what we're talking about today. So, guys, everybody listening, if you jump on birdforgovernor.com, which I will have in the show notes here, uh, so you can just easily click on it. Um, you know, there's there's this tab down below, 25, 50, 100, 250, whatever. Uh, dollar amount you could put in five dollars and and you could donate that and what what yeah. that is is what what he was alluding to you know nobody likes to ask for money but but this is a uh, a political campaign in a very large state with a very well funded um, 
liberal anti-hunting organization that he's up against uh, to include some people from from his own party. And so it's really important. And so uh, also from from now through Halloween, if you get on the Western Huntsman podcast, again, I, I've, I've made this uh, plea before, folks. Um, do not go to the westernhuntsman.com. Go to the westernhuntsmanpodcast.com. I cannot for the life of me figure out how to get rid of this other website. So uh, <laughs> any tech gurus want to help me? I've even had Eastman's helping me work on it, and it's still sitting out there. So anyway, go to the westernhuntsmanpodcast.com, and if you buy a T-shirt or whatever the whatever swag item you have there, uh, I'm going to take all of the profit from that and donate it to um, future Governor Bird's campaign here. So, um, oh, thanks, so brother. you've got you've got two options to do that. If you if you want a you know Western Huntsman shirt or whatever, um, we're going to donate all that. The, the shirt costs me I don't know they're like eight bucks to have made, and I think we sell them for fifteen. So whatever's left, we're we're uh, what it costs to make us eight bucks or whatever. We're going to send it to you. So Jim, you're awesome. So You're everybody, awesome, hopefully, hopefully you can, uh, we, we need to get this ball rolling and we've had, I mean, this Mr. Bird, it has been a headache after headache after headache in the state of Washington when it, with, when it comes to hunting and fishing in this commission. So I'm, I'm just hoping, I'm praying that we can get it there. I know it's a big hurdle. Um, we, you know, I hope, I hope that Washingtonians that have been voting the other direction for a long time. Uh, have had enough of what the yep. norm has been, and and they see the yep. light and doing uh, going with your candidacy and giving you the, their vote. I'm getting tongue tied here. So <laughs> anything <laughs> we're 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 doing it. No, we're we're doing it. And and as I tell, I tell my uh, my supporters and my friends and and everyone that'll listen. Um, you know, in 2024, with we the people's support, standing strong together. We're going to give Olympia the bird, I love and that's it, what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line. I, <laughs> I support you even more now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Jim, thank you, brother, and I, I wish you. you all the best, and we'll talk soon. We're going to stay in touch. So, yeah, let's God do bless, it. brother, and Any, thank you. Anything I could do, yeah. you know, you just hit me up, and I'd love to get you back on the show, and good luck, and Absolutely. we'll just keep rolling Absolutely. forward, brother. Have a good one. All right, I'm here for you. All right, take uh, care. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the